Right, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Drexel Basketball Podcast. And I'm Nate, and we got Dan here, and then continuing our series of very special guests, um, Maisha Kelly, uh, very gracious to spend some time with us here today. Uh, to, uh, of course, the athletic director of Drexel, um, and just great that she took this time to to meet with us, and excited to have her. So, Maisha, thank you for joining us. Um, we won't torture you too bad, but thank you very much. Uh, I'm I'm thrilled to be here. I really appreciate all that the two of you continue to do to tell the Drexel story and to engage with us. And I couldn't be more thrilled to spend the time here and, and to look forward to future times with the two of you, as well as other alums, particularly as we continue working towards uh, coming out of COVID and, and packing the deck. Yeah. And, and, and I'll start out and, and it's interesting to touch on COVID, you know, and, and I said this to coach Spiker, um, you know, with everything going on in the world, you know, you came on board and, and, you know, and he had been there before, but, you know, I felt like and in his situation, I was overseas when he was hired in your situation, you came on during a pandemic. Um, so I didn't feel like I really got to know you that well. So just wanted to spend some time starting out, learning a little bit of your background, kind of to introduce your, you to everyone. Um, so, and, and I, it's interesting too, you said the Drexel story, I was preparing for this. There's a, so you're on Good Day Philadelphia. Um, I found the interview is on YouTube and, um, interesting to hear you say that about the Drexel story. I like how you put that and that's kind of how in our own small way, we're, we're trying to tell that story and get that story out there. Um, but, but tell us a little bit where you're from and about your background. If you're, you're willing to share some of that stuff with us. Sure. Absolutely. I, and I will. You know, to the Drexel story comment, and, and we can continue to talk about this throughout the podcast, I will say that's where I think that athletics as a platform is uniquely positioned to really tell a special part of the Drexel story. But it's a it's a part of the larger Drexel University story as well. And so I always get excited to talk about that. The The interview with Good Day was a lot of fun. And um, and I had a chance there, too, to, to speak about my homecoming, of which this is. I'm a Philadelphia native. I was born in uh, West Mount Airy and grew up in West Mount Airy. It was a product of Philadelphia public schools for some time until I got involved in sports. And my involvement in sport, I I share this because it kind of comes full circle now that I'm here at Drexel. But I started out swimming in the Philadelphia Department of Recreation and swimming at Memorial Hall, swimming here in West Philadelphia at SARE, doing tennis through a public courts program. And so really started to throw myself into sports. Eventually, I uh, I evolved from trying a bit of everything, is particularly the games that happen right outside in, in the streets with, with neighborhood kids, but as being a track and field athlete. And so went on to pursue a career in track and field as an undergrad at St. Joe's and realized during that time as a history major where I thought law school was in the cards for me, but I, I had the chance to realize that I could actually stay involved in sport through sport administration and, and some coaching. And so I pursued a master's degree at Temple while also teaching locally and coaching, coaching at my alma mater, coach from track. And then it just became a whirlwind of opportunity where I, after my degree was completed, had a chance to do a, a practicum through Temple's program at USA Track and Field. So in 2004, I was out in California at the U.S. Trials. So that was an Olympic year. So as a track and field person, it was a pretty awesome opportunity to be at the uh, one of the highest competitive points of your sport. 
but then went on to Vanderbilt, Rutgers, was at the NCAA. My, my, my institution stops early on were focused on academic advising and life skills, so like the student development space. And then going into the NCAA, became administrative, helping to um, run championships. So I had a lot of the Division One championships. Of course, the sport of track and field continues to be a part of my life, and so that's a, ch- a championship that I that I ran there, as well as being a part of some Division Two field hockey, soccer, Division One volleyball, and so really, my career there get introduced me to the broad spectrum that is intercollegiate athletics, the different types of universities, the difference in divisions one, two, and three, and just understanding organizations and governance. And, um, but it, I always had the pull to want to be back to campus, back on campus with individuals who were perhaps charting a course similar to what I did as a student athlete and trying to impact them, transform them in the way that sport it transformed me, gave me access to education, access to opportunities. And so that's when I uh, was able to assume a, a role at Bucknell University, where I spent 11 years, did a lot of internal operations, and then the last year and a half transitioned into the development space. So had the opportunity to do fundraising and set some strategy for the department with regard to annual giving and larger gifts and um and so that was a it was a lot of fun to do that work. And then, as life has it, as professional opportunity shapes you, you start to perhaps even get that itch, that itch of okay, well, what would it look like for me to lead my own shop? How am I now starting to think not just as a practitioner but as a leader? I was always very particular about geography, and there could not be a, a better geography for me to come home to than Philadelphia and an institution like Drexel and particularly how much Drexel has grown over the years. And so it's a bit of my, 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 I give you the quick uh, 20 plus year course that, um, that I led and and then currently now resettled back here with a husband who's actually a, was at Penn state during my time at Bucknell as an assistant track coach. There is now assistant track coach at temple and then two small children who are doing the same thing, just getting involved in a little bit of everything until they, find their sport. No, that's a wonderful summary because you said there like, man, I don't have too much to, to add on there. And, and I guess, I guess that transition from, you know, a place like Bucknell, you know, coming down to Philadelphia, what were some of the differences? And um, I really liked you being on there talking about telling the Drexel story. I think I talked to coach Spiker, you know, he uses the term speaking dragon and, you know, I always get excited. You know, I, 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 I said to him, I feel like Drexel alums and, you know, we, we tend to not stick our chest out. I feel like the way we need to. Um, so it was neat to see you on that show and in the background, what's that fifth and market that's sitting there. Um, yep. I used to run by there. So that's a pretty popular place. It was nice to see someone on there sticking their chest out for Drexel. Um, so appreciated seeing that interview. And if anybody has a chance, I just, you know, search your name. And it was one of the first, I think the, the Drexel university YouTube page posted it. So Definitely recommend somebody, you know, if you, you're thinking about it, take a look at that video. It was nice. It was awesome. So um, but anyway, that, that transition in the Drexel, what were some of the challenges and, and, you know, what was that like coming, coming to work for us? Yeah, I think so. The, the obvious transitions were geography. So I was in central Pennsylvania, uh, labeled rural. I will, I will say that I lived during a time when Lewisburg was also transformed, perhaps still, I guess, could be characterized as rural, but it, it did grow. And it was really a great town, um, really a, a great community 
for me to return to an on-campus career, but then also to start a family. And just there's 27 sports and um, Patriot members of the Patriot League, and certainly uh, um, Bucknell. It's a smaller institution and very liberal arts focused. Initially, they started to grow even during my time. So just a, a difference, a difference in the demographic across the spectrums of, de- of demographic and the geography. I think that the the difference here is that Drexel, I've shared this, Drexel has exploded. That you know, Drexel is a, a large institution. It's an R one institution. It has it has a fifteen thousand undergraduate student body, which is you know Bucknell's like even less than a third of that, and so. We have 18 varsity programs, and so different scale. There's not FCS football, um, but you know the the business of what we do. And if we and certainly I stay true, and, and hope that people will always hold me accountable. Stay stay true to the core of delivering opportunity for student athletes, caring about the welfare and the infrastructure that we build out for student athletes to be successful and be successful academically, athletically, and personally. Those those things don't change regardless of the backdrop, regardless of the surround, all of those pieces. And so that transition, that, that core of who I am, the tra- that opportunity to create a transformational experience, again, um, whether it's access to education or just transformational and developing as people, that always stayed true to my core. I think there was, there's a strong core of staff and history here and certainly the university that allows us to do that work. Um, you know, the work, in 2022 looks a lot different than than the work even that I was doing in 2021 and likely that was being what's being done here in 2021 at Drexel and so um, the ability to have resources in the way of what Drexel offers as a higher institution of higher ed being in a city like that helps us to do our work here in 2022 and beyond so I, I would say you know the most the, the biggest changes Nate are really just again the, the type of institution the demographic and a larger sports sponsorship there, but still, again, the core of what remains is what we deliver on behalf of our student athletes. Yeah, I remember when, you know, coming from Bucknell. I, mean, I live in Mechanicsburg near Harrisburg, and right off, right off 15. So, like, and, and I'll, I'll get up that way when we go to the Little League World Series. So, um, pretty area, but um, you know, and, and um, yeah, definitely different. Um, but, but anyway, um, but knowing that you have the background in Philadelphia, I'm sure that certainly helps. You know, and, and coming back here and coming home must have been exciting, too. And it's interesting. I didn't know your background with the NCAA and, you know, kind of the diversity of, of things you work for. So, um, but yeah, it's, I, I miss going that way. There's a nice hot dog place in Sunbury. Very pretty drive up 15 right along Susquehanna. So maybe I'll, I'll talk Dan into coming out for a little World Series and and he'll uh, he'll he'll kind of see that neck of the woods, too. But. It's a great event. It's a, yeah. you can do a, what do they do? They, they use cardboard boxes to sled down the dirt hill, I believe is the big, I, I um, the basically central PA little league world series takes over central Pennsylvania, but it's pretty awesome. Um, and Lewisburg gets its, its claim to fame and being able to house some of those teams. Yeah. We go to see that the, the Japanese team will be back because they're having an international bracket this year. So we're, we're going up and, and, and I hate to say this, it's blasphemy. I ruined a Drexel shirt with my son sliding him down the hill as long as they played a game at rain. And so it was like the perfect time to do it. And it was one of those things, Hey, I, let's just, let's just do it. I know it was going to get nasty. It was a white Drexel shirt. It ended up in the trash. 
but gave me an excuse to buy another shirt. So yeah, well, we'll have to we'll have to hook you up so that you're wearing that Drexel brand when you're up there in Central PA. I try, yeah, but that's an aside. But yeah, but but yeah, good. looking forward to that too. But um, but then you know, and and before I pass it over to Dan and and kind of let him go from there, you know, I and one of the biggest you know discussions that we had, and this was more when when Bruiser Flint was still the head coach. You know, we kind of got stuck in this rut of you know every year we would. Maybe we were lucky enough to beat St. Joe's or even Temple in a season. And, um, but then at the end of the year, we were all left Richmond with, you know, a first round loss and, you know, we were all pretty disappointed and we kind of, we had, I mean, finally got to see Drexel in the NCAA tournament a couple of years ago. Um, but it took, you know, almost 20 years to get to that point. So, and a lot of us, a point of contention among some of the fans was what, what is, is Drexel's definition of success? Like, what do we say is, you know, basically, you know, what are our goals? You know, we know we're not, you know, Villanova who, you know, or Penn State, as you know, from Central PA kind of dominates the landscape out there. But then again, we want to have higher expectations, um, you know, then try, I don't want to, 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 you know, belittle anybody, but, you know, we basically, but by my eyes, what do you look at? Like, what what do you what would be kind of, and especially for men's basketball, what would you look at as maybe success for that program? So we wouldn't be we wouldn't be true Philadelphians or Philadelphia sports fans if we didn't always have those uh, keep our high expectations high as we should, but every now and then, right, experience some disappointment and and force ourselves, force our enterprises to analyze. How do we keep how, how do we get over that hump or how do we continue and have sustainable success? Um, you know, and, and I don't know if this is the appropriate time to share, but I, I will part of part of what drove me to cut my interest, particularly as I got involved in the search, was exactly what I've seen as a transformation of Drexel University physically and as a institution of higher education, the offerings, its relationship with the community, which I know we'll talk about. Um, but the the possibility, the, the the infrastructure that's being laid for decades, centuries of success for this institution, and the opportunity that exists, and I really that to me that corresponded to exactly what we could see in the athletic space. I think as we tell our story, that's exactly where we need to be focused about is what is Drexel's brand, what is the best pathway for Drexel to be successful. Because it's uh, keeping, you know, making sure that the things that are happening under our control and even the things that we can't necessarily control, how we're being nimble and, and, and flexing with that are important. And so I think that those, those are, that's the mindset, that's the approach that certainly I'm taking and having conversations with our team to really be focused on. The university has made an incredible commitment to have an athletics enterprise of our size of our level of support. I think that the the conference that we belong to is a strong statement of being surrounded with uh, other competitive mid-major institutions. And so we need to, for all 18 of our programs, look at what does that mean as we assemble a team, as we look to leadership of coaches and how they execute a plan and a successful plan. I, um, you know, I'd love to win all the time. Winning's important. Winning's important because of student experience and of, because of what it does for culture and just a variety of things for the business model. Um, but it's, but winning, winning is important. And so how do we look to position our programs to compete at the level that they are 
sometimes in athletics we look at, okay, the level that they're bench- benchmarked at, and then also fight above their weight class. And I think that from our history to also how we're positioned, that we can be a contender. Now, contender, we may all have different sort of definitions of what contending is, but I think that it's for sure pursuing championships at the men's and women's basketball levels. And I would say even all of our programs, even for those that, um, you know, step up and fight above their weight class, so to speak. I do think that we offer a value proposition as an institution to come and pursue a degree across a very broad spectrum of op- of academic areas, which is not something that institutions that are smaller in size and don't have as many academic programs can offer. We also have, a, a, we're in a city, we're in a hotbed of talent that surrounds us, uh, inclusive of our, our um, you know, close suburbs and mates across the, the, the water here. And so it's really our goals are for sure, as I mentioned before, student athlete welfare and the success of our students, ensuring that they can succeed academically and athletically as well and grow as people. But the athletic piece, it's a, it, winning is important. It's winning is important because it's a part of, again, that experience. It's a part of the investment and the commitment that we should want to have. And then winning also just drives, it really does drive a variety of other things that we need to continue to move our organization forward, engagement, a sense of pride. And so there are no better programs for the way that we're situated. Um, You know, basketball programs do that. And that's, and I'm not saying that to discount our tremendous success we've had with our lacrosse program as of recent, any of our other programs, but our industry, you guys, I'm sure uh, know more about this than some of the, the casual observers of intercollegiate athletics, but for our institution, we don't have football. And so basketball really is a driver. It's a driver of our industry. It's a central focus to just figuring out even at the division one level, how we proceed forward to ensure that basketball of 350 plus institutions stays secure. It's, it's a piece that will, for us, it's a revenue driver. And so needless to say, I get giddy and I can get into the complexities of the business operation, but at the core of it, success matters. Success matters because of the investment, because of the potential investment, because of the experience, because of the pride, the engagement, the school spirit that it can uh, create. And so we have to work to support our program, support our administrators, support our coaches to chart that pathway of success. And everybody's going to have a different way that they do it. And it comes up in the results as far as, um, you know, is it is it a pathway towards being successful and sustainable success? And again, relative to what success can look like. And I think that perhaps we'll have some conversations either here or down the road at what success looks like on a scale for programs, particularly in a, a extremely evolving basketball landscape. Yeah. I, th- I think we have a realistic fan base. I think none of us think we're going to win every year. We, we can't all be the women's basketball program. It does <laughs> win every year. Um, but it is good to hear that winning's, you know, a priority, you know, cause, and I'm, I'm the biggest, I, I guess I think of it as I said to my wife after we we're leaving the NASCAR race at Pocono, I'm like, man, we go to so many races and our favorite drivers never win. So we, we definitely know the value of spending time with family and, and sports. It's the lessons you learn and everything. It's not just winning and losing, but certainly, um, you know, it's important, you know, to hear that it's it's on your mat, on your radar. So, you know, that's certainly good to hear. But so but let's pass on to Dan. I want to make sure I you know he's on deck here and kind of let him run from here. What do you got? 
chopping at the bit because there's about 30 different questions and comments that I could spin off of off of that. Um, and uh, the campus is is really growing and expanding. I had a chance to to bring my daughter in over the weekend here. It was about 100 degrees out in Philadelphia and everybody else was inside. And the two of us, I think, were the only people walking around campus. It was summer session and quiet on a Sunday morning. And uh, it's amazing to see the changes. I, I think I talked to this with Coach Blaker a little bit, but even even over the last few months, I mean, it's just it's uh, the School Yards project. Uh, which is my former office, but you know that that area there, and and seeing that really develop, and then um, uh, obviously the news with with Buckley Green is is uh, interesting, and I'm wondering um, that's going to have I imagine a role with your club sports and and, and some changes there uh, in the long run. We'll, we'll probably get that in a future podcast, but uh, it's cool to see see the landscape of campus um, and and how it's just uh, developing so much, so so much. Uh, it feels like every square inch is getting filled in now. Um, which is which is neat, and and uh, to Nate's point, a reason to, to puff your chest out as a Drexel fan and, and and fan of the school, not necessarily the program, but just just uh, it's a great time. Um, I, I guess my follow up. This is me. You know, I like to pick at things a little bit, but uh, my follow up question on you know the um, the this discussion around basketball, I guess, is just um, the expectation is for you the know, programs to be competitive, competitive year is, in year out. What does competitive a- mean to you? Competitive means a lot of things. Uh, you know, if I'm some, quickly summarizing it, I think that sustainable success and competitiveness is being in the top third of the conference, right? So from a, if there was a goal standpoint, we've got now 13 members. So being in that top four or five, I think is really important. That's a competitive program. We've seen the last two years, a, a five seed, a six seed can win the tournament. That's the ticket to the dance. Um, and, you know, so I think that that's, that's, that's men's basketball women's basketball, we, um, you know, there's not as much parity in the league. I think that it's, it's trending that way for sure. But the top, the top third of the league is pretty competitive against itself. We saw, we saw um, our program have a really tremendous year and right. get an upset. It's hard to beat a team three times in a year. Um, But so I think it's for them, it's also, you know, the regional national success, but I think competitive and that we're, we're, we're intentional about, who we're playing against and how we're showing up to those, those contests and how we're faring that there's also, there's also a competitiveness in in how we go about doing our business from the daily preparation, just as students and as athletes, how we carry ourselves. And now I'm speaking broadly, but I think competitiveness is that we are, we're also creating a brand and a profile of student athlete that really does look to be a grinder in, in the classroom academically and, and commits to being being a part of the larger the larger social construct of the campus and the department and so you know from the competitive success standpoint the actual competing I think it's right you know specific to basketball I think we really need to we need to c- continue to be in that top that top uh, third of our of our conference um, or it'll be interesting how our conference shapes out with with the new new arrivals I think probably most rosters are looking at different teams on the men's side, different different makeups of their rosters, but um, but I think uh, that's really that's really where I think you know, from a long term long term sustainable success, that's where we need to be because I think the conference just continues to grow, and it's that parity that I think will make our conference really competitive as a conference, and so where we want to be is the you know the top third of that. And pursuing championships. Winning championships sounds good. Uh, I want to I get to the CA and, and kind of everything that's moved around in a minute. I guess I want to wrap up 
kind of uh, put a bow on this this last bit. Just um, I think it's uh, a it's great to see you know both programs to your point in the last couple of years since since you've been here really have been have been competitive highly competitive the men's and basketball men's and women's basketball side. But I'm curious. Um, we are now seeing more turnover, right? It's going to be hard to be consistently um, at the top as you you know you're almost a new recruiting class. It feels like. Every year, right? This is just a, it's some stuff we got in the little weeds a little bit with with Coach Spiker, but I think uh, you know it's it's a very unique landscape. And consistency is going to be very challenging. So, what are you looking for? Um, you know, we're we're in this very rare, I think, especially for mid majors, right? I, I could be wrong here, but uh, at a mid major level, to have uh, essentially these two kind of flagship programs who have had two coaches over the last two decades, right? I mean, that, that's a pretty pretty low turnover rate. Um, via V, the rest of the world. What what do they do um, uh, in, in the case of, of, of Coach Spiker and Coach Mallon? And, and before them, uh, I realized you didn't run the department with, with Denise and, and, and Bruiser, but you know what, what, what kind of uh, characteristics um, put them in that position to, or do you look for, I guess, in that position that will give us that continuity, you know, that, that, um, that makeup that, that you believe these are the right people for the role? Yeah, sure. And I'll speak, obviously I can't speak to placing them in those positions. Um, but what, and this would go to any of our leaders, head coaches in particular. I mean, look, we are, I don't, I I don't want to lose sight. I'll never lose sight of the fact that we are in higher education. And so we should be hiring people who are committed to being educators and mentors. Um, and what any time, whether it was at a previous institution and certainly, what I carry forward he, here in my role at Drexel and have expectations of other sport administrators who oversee sports is that we're looking for leaders who have been able to one exhibit the educator mentor type role, create a positive culture or positive environments to for student at where student athlete welfare has clearly presented itself as a priority. There's not been a compromise to the student athlete as the priority and how they how they grow as a um, as a student as an athlete as a person, but then also that they have the skill set and they've shown uh, uh, that they can be successful in developing and executing a plan of success, whether it be in whatever the competitive arena in this case certainly on the floor. And those those are things that are important when looking to identify talent, but then also as you're assessing talent, that can we continue to in the basketball space and men's basketball, I think that it, it hit home to me very strongly. It was a very pointed moment, um, poignant moment when I was at the um, Coaches vs. Cancer City Six. They have at the Palestra the breakfast after the um, selection, so the selections of the teams. And so all six City Six coaches are up on the dais, and one of them, not ours, but basically said out loud, after this, I'm going to have to go back and re-recruit my student athletes to remain at my institution. And so it was really, it hit hard because now you're looking at a space within men's basketball where you're recruiting your current student athletes, you're recruiting prospective high school student athletes, you're recruiting in the transfer portal, you're recruiting junior college. And so the, um, the emotional the time commitment and 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 how to navigate that space is now very real and it compounded a little bit by covid and so the hope is that some of this will you know perhaps be alleviated some as covid years expire 
But uh, but now what we're looking for in basketball coaches and in any coaches whose sports are impacted by an evolution, a new landscape of recruiting, how effective can we be in recruiting? How effective can we be in retaining? There's some, you know, retention stories that, you know, or could be significant wins, some that are unexpected and some that are expected because, um, you know, listen, the, it's a, it's a athletics created it, right. We've, we've created this, um, we've created this world of haves and have nots. We've created this world of ivory tower. And so some individuals who have perhaps developed at our level uh, will look for that opportunity to really be exposed in ways at uh, different levels. How well can we do with ensuring though that we retain some of those individuals? How well can we be in ident- and again focused on what is the Drexel way for basketball or any sport to develop student athletes, retain them, and have a plan in the event that there are transitions? And so that really, I think it's an added layer, but that's still that's something that we have to be assessed and that we have to look for and look at as we continue to figure out and navigate hopefully an environment like I said that settles down here. Oh, that's, a, that's a great answer, and I, I appreciate the feedback. I, I think that's that's a great to hear hear from you and somebody in your position. And I think it's it's consistent with with kind of what what expectations would be, you know, um, in in this environment. It's so, such a change, and when we're talking about change, we'll, we'll drive into the CA for a moment. We have a few more, few more members, one less. Um, there's a, a great tweet from Northeastern Athletics throwing some some good shade that direction in, in the Harris, Harrisburg region recently. Uh, if you want to have some fun, but um, yeah, I, I, what is, I guess, from your vantage point, uh, was this kind of an offensive or a defensive move by the league to, to engage in these, these new partners? Yeah, I think offensive. Um, looks, look, the, you can read through tea leaves. You can read through where programs are trending, where their opportunities are. And, and I don't know about other industries, but Intercollegiate athletics is very well documented. Some some uh, fiction, some nonfiction, but I, I think I, I get a um, a ticker every day, and there's probably about twenty different stories about whether it's transitions, uh, staffing, or you know speculation about this, that, and the other thing. So we are we have done a really good job documenting, and perhaps even sometimes um, creating a bit of a soap opera environment of our industry, but. So there, there's some, you didn't, you didn't need a crystal ball to see some of the transitions that are happening. Maybe you did for the one that's happening um, with West, West Coast institutions coming well, well across all across country. But that said, I think for us, it really is, a, it was an opportunity for our conference to continue to strengthen itself, strengthen its basketball model. As I said, I, I do believe, we believe that we have a strong, 13 institutions who, whether it's continue year after year, but have some history of basketball success. And so where we, where I mentioned before the parity, I think certainly on the men's side has gotten stronger and we, we will see, we can, we'll continue to see years like we've seen this past year, but it's really been a strength in strength in the league, strengthen the opportunity to also achieve some things. So it's the basketball success and through success, meaning, competitive basketball. So, right. You have, there's, um, you know, probably some would argue that we're going to have 13, perhaps even in the future, 14 team basketball team programs that will absolutely beat up on each other throughout the year. Makes for a good product, makes for hopefully an attractive product 
to any media rights folks out there. We also pick up a footprint that um, gets us into markets like Jersey, expand our market in Long Island. And then um, the opportunity for us as a, as a conference to even now welcome into HBCUs to, to historically black colleges and universities and really shaping ourselves in a 2022 lens, right? So after just sort of living through and trying to reimagine, there's reimagining all, all kinds of things from a competitive standpoint, um, but also from a demographic and, and, and landscape of who we are as a conference. But the other pieces too is, can we create a regionalized model for some of our sports? It's, it's a little bit more complicated because not every, not all 13 or eventually 14 institutions may sponsor a particular sport, but are there some efficiencies that can also be gained when you expand? And so, so intentional, very intentional. So that's why I would say offensive. And then, you know, you could argue a far second would be the defensive again, just reading the tea leaves of what opportunities could exist for some institutions. And then following up on, on that, when you when you gain some of the names that came in uh, and and lose a school like James Madison, uh, I would argue, and I, I think the Sun Belt move actually articulates it fairly well. But James Madison prioritized football. Um, that was that was kind of their flagship down there relative to basketball. I think that they had, they were strong in both areas, but they had prioritized football. I think it's fair to say. Uh, is this now a little bit more of a basketball centric? conference after this realignment and and if so is that that's that's a net gain for for the dragons correct yeah i think that so i think the caa as a full member conference is a basketball focused conference um they but there's also uh desires and what has been picked up is that also caa football so caa as a football conference which has affiliate members that are part of other basketball conferences like the atlantic 10 right so we've got some football schools that are affiliate members i think that this there was an opportunity to strengthen uh football as well i think that the caa if um from my perspective is very much the things that kind of dictate what we can do like our media rights and and other revenue opportunities are very much around basketball now i could also be saying that because i'm not as engaged in the football side of those discussions but in in what um in what I see because again thinking of the full membership it really is very focused on basketball and so I think that this was a play towards the prioritization for the full conference the full member institutions and the conference um, identity to strengthen itself around ba- its basketball membership all right and and we've spoken about uh, you, you've mentioned the media rights deal a few times the markets that we're exposed to uh, here around the conference uh, Nate and I can't go a podcast without talking about flow sports. Um, it's just, it's in our contracts. Um, <laughs> so I guess that agreement, I believe has another year, maybe two on it, one year on it. Um, is there a thought, to, uh, obviously we can't talk about whether or not we'll, we'll extend or whatnot, but is there, what is your analysis uh, or feelings towards flow sports and, and other options at this point, I think as, as a representative of Drexel? Um, it's interesting. I So as I mentioned, I, I was an administrator for NCAA championships and I was also a track and field athlete. And so I have a long history with flow. Flow really started in the individual team sport world of the swimming and divings of track and fields. I mean, there was the for a track and field person just to even have somebody sitting in the stands filming. It, it was some of those were some of our first uh, opportunities to have some meets be 
be um, casted out to a larger audience, but the flow has so certainly come a long way in expanding itself. You know, I think um, not getting it, of course, into specifics, but I think there's the, again, back to looking at what's in the best interest of Drexel and being Drexel focused and, and expanding it in this conversation, the CAA, what's in our best interest to be able to achieve our goals. So whether those goals be exposure and how that exposure is extended, whether it's digital or linear, whether it's also what resources can we obtain um, from any kind of media rights relationships. Those are, those are all things that drive decisions on where uh, a conference would, would, uh, would lend itself to and partner with. Um, What are those things that can help the brand help illuminate the brand? So through, the various platforms and those particular being digital and linear, linear, which is something that um, we've done through CBS, but then how do, how are the two integrated? How are the two acceptable? Whoever has your, um, your rights, of course, can dictate what options you get as far as how many things are digital, how many things can be linear and so forth. So there's, there's, there are layered pieces. There's a um, domino effect oftentimes too. Um, but, it, but, you know, those are, those are the conversations that any conference, any institution is having. It's about how do you best preserve the brand? How do you elevate it if it needs elevation? And I would, you know, I think that we're always, hopefully, we're always looking to elevate brand inclusive of our, but then how do you, how do you also reap the greatest benefit in reaching the audiences that you desire and in the ways to which you desire to do it? And so, some some uh, platforms allow you more flexibility than others. Some provide more resources, and so it's really just a cost benefit analysis that you do as uh, thir- now thirteen members on what 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 serves us best. Manisha, the way you said, you know, like no one had ever shown your track meet before, and in some ways, I think you know Drexel basketball in a sense. You know, I, I remember the days. That's where my perspective comes in, where you'd have to buy. Okay, we're playing. Um, we're playing Bucknell. You have to, you know, buy the the ten dollar one month Bucknell, you know, video plan, and then you forget to cancel your membership, so you get charged ten bucks for six months and be upset. You know, you had to do that all season, and you know, so it, it has been nice that the CAA has condensed everything into one place, and you can, for me, it's you can see stuff that that you never got to see before. But you know, I do. And dancing and for other people's sake who disagree with me because because the other thing and, and being from central pa you know sealands grove is probably the closest racetrack to you but you know this is big time sprint car territory and flow racing is like just growing like crazy um and they're they're adding major series all the time so you know i i got what i do think is maybe this is like a ground floor so to speak for the caa i think i, I think we'd all love to see that the caa signs a contract with espn and we're seeing, you know, games on national TV all the time. I think we'd all love that, but you know, we'll see where things go. Is this is sort of like maybe a ground floor, and and then where it builds from there, either on Flow or another platform, if we don't feel like it's it's big enough. So, um, so yeah, I, I love to see a shift, you know. But but again, I, I that's where I come from. It's like, yeah, I never got to see Drexel before at all. Even the women's games, it's just you know, it's nice having access to that, and then all the other sports too on top of that. So. The, the evolution of um, just how we watch things and the ease of it, of course, are important. But the 
the evolution. And I say this as somebody who still gets, um, who has not been able to cut the cord, so to speak, um, because of fear, fear of like, if I do this, like, am I really going to be able to watch everything? And I'm not even a huge TV watcher, but just that security blanket of a, a cord. The, the hope is that we continue to see platforms, providers evolve, evolve. Um, you know, the, we still, we still differentiate and say digital. The reality is, is, um, ESPN plus and, and flow and, and Apple TV and all these other, you can basically just click on them for the most part of, from of, off of a smart TV. And so what's really linear is digital Like how We're going to see this all continue to evolve. It's all about how we can best package and get the ease to the consumer. Right. So that's what, of course, those who are, we're in that space are all thinking about, but that's where it matters for us because, like I said, the exposure piece matters and the ease to get it to our consumers. But it's also with the those who are holding on to notions too of of what digital and linear look like and how you have access to those pieces, and so those are going to be really important for our institutions. That's those are really important topics for our basketball coaches, and so. That's an eye. So there's some insight that that's an eye too of what we look for. It's, it's, um, brand is extremely important. And so how can we, if given our circumstances, how can we also ensure that the integrity of our brand isn't compromised, but then also how do we achieve all of our goals? And so that's where, that's where we get in the room and you get in the room with 13 different institutions. It makes for fun conversation, but it's, you know, certainly with the focus of what helps the collective. And I'm curious, um, uh, of those kind of uh, streaming versus, you know, we'll call it traditional linear, you know, but linear even breaks out into national and, and regional, right? The regional sports network is a huge deal here in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. certainly uh, with, with so many of the professional sports teams, you know, uh, heavily invested with NBC Sports, uh, Philly and, and like. Um, where where does kind of, do you think, what's best for the Drexel brand? Where do we where do we want to spend our money if we had to choose one between like a regional network, getting things nationally televised or prioritizing, you know, a, a stream that, maybe more people have access to? It's a good question. I mean, there's a little bit, again, there's a little bit of everything. The regional, it's the conference, of course, doesn't dictate that, but we want them to be just like most of our institutions, like a Delaware, who's also in our regional market, a Northeastern who has a significant regional market up there in Boston. And certainly um, the Long Island schools have a significant regional market. And so, so our interests lie, that, that's a very important, we, we, uh, had nine games, five men, I think, and four women game, women's games this past year, even on our regional network. And so that's important. That's a that's a, that's important because again, the telling of the story. We are in a fortunate position for the university to be able to talk about this really uh, incredible experience, student experience in the way of a varsity athletics opportunity and engagement. In that, we also get to talk about the greater university, this value proposition of coming to an institution like Drexel. Doing that in our regional market, which is where we really pull from, is a, is a great opportunity. I think it stretches all the way out, Nate, to central Pennsylvania, right? Like we can get the games in Scranton, can get the games in, uh, you know, in, in Delaware, right? So we've got a really big footprint. It, it remains important to us as Drexel. That might be different from some of our other member institutions where regional TV is, um, is not as prominent. And so we look for those opportunities because it also – Again, how success breeds all these other opportunities, the business model, you're successful, you want to be seen, um, you, other people start to make that investment, 
you know, CBS Philly gets, gets, gets involved and gets interested in wanting to air our events. It helps our multimedia rights partners in Learfield be able to sell corporate sponsorships. There is like this domino that we talk about exposure regionally, hopefully also hopefully drives a fan engagement and in-person fan engagement, or even like a local roadshow engagement. And so there is this incredible domino effect. And so when I talk about where you want to get your product, there's the national, certainly the regional, which is incredible. And then, you know, I think that in five years, we'll do this again. And we could talk about how this idea of digital, how it really has evolved. And is it truly, are we even using the word linear anymore because of how easily accessible it is? And so hopefully, hopefully, Dan, that, that answers in a long-winded way your question. But I think it's a little bit of both. A school like Drexel is absolutely has an interest in staying, you know, having, having some kind of opportunity and carve out is what we call them carve out to be able to do some regional TV. I, I feel like this is another area you've been, had the misfortune of being dropped into where there's a lot of uncertainty, be it NIL, transfer portal, and all this streaming stuff is in so much flux with, I mean, it's an endless list of different platforms. And I feel like at some point they're going to coalesce and get simpler, but it's like crazy right now. Like the Phillies were on Peacock Friday and Sunday, you know, and you almost need to buy 15 packages to see everything you want to see. So that's why I don't get too bad at shape either way. I feel like, like you said, five years from now, we'll kind of see how things play out, but it'd be probably totally different. So, yeah, I think I picked a fun year to jump into this. Yeah. <laughs> Just a little bit going on. I, I, I was going to wash over NIL for time, but I, I do think we want to touch, just touch on it briefly. Uh, obviously, it's one of the biggest things that happened. Uh, to, to college athletics maybe ever. And it happened right, right when you were getting to campus. Um, we talked to coach Spiker and, and he made it very clear that uh, his, his goal with NIL is compliance um, and, and um, engaging with you and your staff to ensure that um, the student athletes had the opportunities um, uh, to engage, but that his, his, uh, his staff was, was um, deferring and, and, and engaging, like I say, uh, with, with, uh, kind of the general athletics department. So my question to you then is, what is the general athletics department? What is, what is athletics role in NIL? Well, if I didn't say this before, and I appreciate Coach Spiker's sound bites making it to uh, to this episode because integrity is also paramount in all that we do. And so uh, when looking uh, when looking for leadership, when, when assessing leadership, integrity is paramount. So, so good to hear. Um, you know, NIL, separate, starting at a fundamental point, and I actually just said this on a call this morning, Drexel is a, a great institution to be at when talking about being an entrepreneur. Be, what is your brand? What, you know, kind of, who, who are you? Because it's really what NIL is, knowing knowing what your brand is, knowing what, um, knowing the things that you would want to represent you, use your name use your, you know, your image. And so, so at, at its core and fundamental place, we started when we, we obviously needed to get ourselves quickly into position. It became, we had to, a law in Pennsylvania, so we had to have a policy. So we quickly got ourselves positioned and worked closely with our general counsel and, and our department. Um, we can talk more at some point too, just about new members of our, our department, but, but ensuring that we had a, a, a sound policy in place so that, if a student athlete did want to activate, meaning monetize themselves in this space, that they had the opportunity. But at a very fundamental level, the way that we've embraced NIL is that we're going to talk to our student athletes about 
their brand and who they are so that they, when they make decisions about what kind of partnerships they want to go into, whether it be business related or as professionals, when you're assessing what company perhaps you want to work for, or even personal relationships that you're staying true to your values and your core. That's really what that's, we felt like from an educational standpoint, not just the compliance piece and the law and policy, but that it really is about fundamentally knowing who they are and how to essentially use that as a, as a um, compass for making decisions. We have probably about 40 student athletes or so who have monetized in the space, similar to other institutions of our, of our brand, of our level of our, you know, um, in our, in the landscape, lots of it has been brand strategy. So, excuse me, like a, a yeah, essentially a brand strategy where if you represent Saxby's, you get some version of a discount, but you're, you're amplifying Saxby's on your social media or what have you. And so we've seen a lot of that. We've seen some who want to do it in civic, civically engaged ways. So anytime though, that you're saying my issue Kelly track and field student athlete at Drexel university, that's not a call for track and field coming back to Drexel. I'm just using that as the example, but, uh, but essentially anytime you say that, that's a, that's a, that's now you're needing to, um, you're needing to, and you're doing it with a, 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 as a sponsor, you're needing to clear that through a clearinghouse, so to speak, a structure that we have in place. And so even if you're doing that for a civic engagement type opportunity, so we've seen, we've seen it show up in that way as well benefits. Um, I, I think that it's, it's an incredible opportunity for us to look at how can we support any student athletes who want to engage further in this space. We did some programming partnering with close We've had conversations, close, close school for um, entrepreneurial here at Drexel. And we'll also, um, we've had conversations with LeBeau. So figuring out how we can utilize, because again, Drexel having a, a program for entrepreneurs, having a business school, we're really well suited to figure out how best we can shape our student athletes who want to be engaged in the space. Now we would need to do that other, that the, the next, the, the next chapter of what we do is really figuring out, is there an interest and how do we set up an, a marketplace to be able to do that? So a marketplace where interested um, clients, interested organizations can come in and look at our suite of student athletes who maybe could amplify their, their product, be sponsor, engage in NIL deals with them. So that's a, probably a lot more than what your initial question was, but that's we're, we're embracing it. We're embracing it for the compliance piece, the educational opportunities, and then the potential for some student athletes to really monetize in it. It's, um, it's one of those things. If we're not addressing it, then we are certainly falling behind our peers and competitors. Yeah. It certainly sounds like you're, you're laying the foundation. You're, you're ma- you know, you're making things available and, and, and um, trying to provide that, that kind of framework where they can engage and then I think that next step of, of bringing in those corporate partners, which is always is always a challenge, right? But uh, where, where you can is, uh, is is cool, and and I look forward to seeing um, how that works out. I know it's just a, such a dynamic thing right now. Uh, I'm excited to see kind of what what brand amplification looks like uh, over the next couple of years, and, and how the students engage. I think it's, it's um, anytime you get uh, students involved in something like that, they, they, they have sometimes the creativity beyond you know where I'm at right now. And then they can, they can even uh, work with those brands. It's, it's very neat. Um, so uh, I'm excited to see, see how that rolls. And I'm, I'm excited that Drexel has that framework in place. Yeah. And the key word is work. It is work. And so the, the commitment from our students, if they want to do it, that we want them to really understand 
what exactly it is because we will not subscribe to a just the approach where it's we're looking for a third party transaction of, of resources right and so so for us we, we we want we will go the pathway in which it's all intended and that's to give student athletes the same opportunity that we their non-student athlete peers and that we as administrators or coaches have to be able to be in the marketplace if if uh should should there be a a, a interest in the, the brand or level of um, personality or individual that a, a company or organization will want to utilize. No, that's great. Uh, and I, again, I look forward to seeing the output. And uh, I, I, I can't imagine a Division One athlete uh, with the demands that that entails um, really getting excited about that next level of work. But you know, sometimes when you can monetize it, it's uh, it helps a little bit uh, because there's there's a lot on their plates already, and and this is a cool other opportunity. But it's a lot. Um, I guess. Um, Man, there's there's a lot of ways to spin that too. Uh, mental health concerns and everything else. Um, is there's there's just a lot weighing on kids these days, right? It's it's, just, it's almost unfair. But I'm excited, like I said, to, to give them opportunities to engage and, and to do something of their own volition. It's just this really neat opportunity. So I, I want to wrap up talking about engagement. Uh, something we covered a little bit with the flow piece, but um, we uh, you recently brought in Greg Cusick, I believe, and uh, can you tell yeah. us what. Um, what Greg brings uh, to the department and, and kind of what um, you're looking to get out of that role at this point? Sure. Yeah. I'm really excited for Greg to join us. He, um, you know, he did a terrific job through the process, but really articulating the things that we can evolve and modernize and perhaps even revolutionize in as, as it relates to our, um, you know, our strategy uh, in marketing, our strategy in communications, um, you know, there's, as I, you heard me say it several times throughout this episode, as we look to amplify our brand, we, us getting our brand out there, again, it really does, it's, there's a domino, there's a, an impact in, in getting, igniting an interest from certainly our student body, our campus community, so that there's an engagement. And so we have to really think about the ways that we do that organically, as well as intentionally in structured ways. And so Greg's focus really will be about how we um, how we market ourselves to make ourselves an attractive opportunity for again building that school spirit that that engagement the fan in person fan engagement but then also driving revenue and 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 revenue whether it's through tickets but then revenue will come if we are if we are a product that is of interest if we show and make the case for engagements but sports sponsorship good partners with our with our Learfield right media rights holder. Um, then there's some opportunity there. And so really looking at the full suite of, of responsibilities and the shop that falls under Greg, it's, it's amplifying that brand. And that starts at so many, it's, it starts with how we tell our story. So that's the communications area, how we tell our story on our website, on different media platforms, Twitter, or face, uh, Facebook a little bit. I, I think maybe I'm aging myself by referencing Facebook, but, but Instagram. And um, so, so really become modernizing our approach being, uh, I think that our brand is a look and a feel. And so we've got a really tremendous opportunity to package things in a way that speak to the consumers we want to reach as well as evolve ourselves in a modernized and some t- my, my, my newer term too is perhaps even revolutionize some things because why not Drexel, right? To be revolutionary in the way we go about doing things. And so, so Greg, he's excited about um, 
the opportunity as a South Jersey native with a, a number of friends. And he said it and, and, and he, where he really stood out is he understood what Drexel is and the value proposition that is Drexel. And, um, and so that w- was really what made him, made him stand out through the process. I'm excited about the energy he's going to bring. Revolutionize is a big word. Uh, is, is there something specifically that we should be looking for? You know, uh, right off the bat, any any uh, uh, changes that we, we, we should be, even in the upcoming year, that we could expect uh, as far as communications goes? Yeah, I think, and hopefully you're seeing some of it. We, we will continue to refine it. But we, um, you know, power packaging things and putting it out on the social media, I, I have said to our team, I want people to be able to see the personality of our programs, the personality of our student athletes, our coaches. And so it's important that we do things we we package how we're we're giving how we're telling a story whether it be a a a pre-release of a story recapping a story or even just showing imagery or showing capturing moments within our program that that's done in a much more dynamic way so hopefully you're seeing a little bit of that um we'll continue to modernize and look at that we are hiring some additional team members in the video board space. And so because of the tremendous project that's happening upstairs, the deck with video boards where that individual will, will also will look for a skill set in motion graphics. And so that should play out well, not only what happens in venue at the deck, but what we again see on our website, what we see on different media platforms. So I think that those are some, some uh, things that I'd like to be able to say, you know, six, six months from now, you tell me what, what you think you see. But then also you'll see, um, you know, I, I will say that um, having the tremendous commitment the university gave in the way of supporting the renovation upstairs at the deck and the, the features that the video board, the sound system, the lighting and all that will bring, you'll see a, a game environment. Like we'll really want, we, it'll be a fan engaged environment. We'll hold, I always say we'll hold lots of contests, but we want to also hold some events. And so we now have some tools to be able to hold events at the DAC for our basketball and wrestling programs. That's very neat. Um, the, the It's a lighting change as well as the, the video board and the sound system, correct? It's it's kind of, it's basically every part of the in-game kind of in the seats environment besides the game itself. Um, what are you most excited about, I guess, from that opportunity? Is there, is there anything there that, you know, uh, whether it be from engagement or just a, for you, this is cool to, to see, um, you know, uh, the change in that in that in-game experience that you're looking forward to most yeah i think the excitement is um i always say that my uh, cool quotient started to diminish significantly after 1999 and that's even if it even existed so 1999 was when i finished undergrad but i think that if we can have an environment in in the DAC, and again certainly as a priority and primary around our co- athletic contest then that's really cool that, that we really can help to build and make it a destination for our student body in particular, starting to build up that school spirit, starting to engage our community in ways that they haven't been before. But not to not that we would transition the DAC to become a multi-purpose facility, but that also gives lends itself to opportunities to do other student engaging events in that space, creating more of a home of more of a centerpiece and spine of our campus community. And I'm really excited about that. I think that the way that the way I see success here at Drexel is we've got a partner. We have to partner across campus. We have to partner here in the city. We need to be innovative, modernize. And so this is that. 
this is us modernizing what happens upstairs. It was, um, I think that the venue is a great venue. We just made it even better for what we want to do in delivering contests in the environment where there can be a really spirited environment and then also offering a space that can do some other things that again, kind of open up our, open up our, our doors to the community so that there's reciprocal engagement. Yeah. I think the one thing I notice when I look at professional stadiums is they're getting smaller, right? Uh, there's uh, not, maybe not 2000 seats small, but they're getting smaller and, and, and there's always been an advantage. Just one of my, my big things has been for a long time. I think the deck is the size of the deck is an advantage um, in a lot, a lot of ways. And that's, you know, part of the disappointment and the decline in attendance because it seems like it shouldn't be that hard to fill. Um, but also, you know, some of the excitement, how easily it can come back. Right. So um, I'm really excited to see that work. And I guess my, my question to you, and, and hopefully I'll get you out on this one, uh, is is um, from an engagement perspective, um, is it, um, you know, donors coming in the door? Is it attendance in the seats at basketball games? Is it online engagement? You know, which where's kind of the priority? How do you, what is a, a successful year in engagement for you? What's the first thing you're looking at? All of it. Um, certainly, certainly um, the presence. I, I, I've had an opportunity to engage and meet with a lot of alums throughout my first year. And the one thing that I said to each of them was showing up, wanting people to show up. Um, I think that that's the most important thing. Uh, we will have, and we already are positioning to have capital projects. We've got one that's kind of in the, in the, um, making with Vitus, but the showing up speaks to all of that. If we can get alums, if we have our families, current families, if we have the community showing up, then, um, and that's physically, you, you show up by engaging how you can. So if you're not living here in Philadelphia or in California, being able to log into a game or see a catch us linear, whichever, whichever version of that, that's important. Those things, they have a domino. There's a, there is a, um, you know, there's a benefit, there are byproducts of that. And so I think it's really showing up. We'll, we'll look for engaging fans in ways, again, through live, we'll, we'll capture things on social media. So for those of that can't watch the, watch it live or watch it in person, we want to be able to, we want to ensure that we package and tell our story, tell the brand, amplify our success and um, let, let people get to know what Drexel Athletics and our student athletes and staff are about. So I think that's really the, it, it's sort of, it really is, Dan, it's hard to piece out, you know, separate out each of those pieces because really it's about showing up in the best way that you can. I appreciate you taking the time to tell that story. I, I want to say thank you for coming on. I want to say how excited I am uh, after being on campus this weekend about where things are going. Um, and and uh, certainly with the DAC renovations and seeing that come, come the fall, uh, I think it's a, it's a really wonderful story to tell. And um, the fact that, that Coach Spike or that you and that others are going to come on and, and, and tell that story and continue to be engaged, um, whether they currently work there, whether they're alumni, anybody else, we're, we're having a fun time, Nate and I, telling the story uh, and, and, and being there with you guys. And uh, this opportunity is just wonderful. So thank you again. Um, and, and we'll, uh, we'll let you go here. Have a great day. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate all that you guys are doing. You have a great one too.